Welcome to the Epicenter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from the Gospel series, where we reveal one book of the New Testament every week. For more information about Epicenter Church, visit epicenterchurch.com.au. Today is Vision Sunday, where we get to talk about the direction that we feel that we're going to be heading as a church, what the steps that we feel that God has placed in front of us, and the direction that God is thrusting us in. Ultimately, it the end result, we don't believe, changes much. But for those of you that know, if you're driving in a car from one point to another point, the destination doesn't change, but sometimes the direction changes a little bit to get to that one point. Are you with me? So today we get to look at that. We get to look at what we feel as a leadership team is what God has um, or is encouraging us to do over these next couple of years or however long that is in order to reach or to come closer to what we feel that God's placed in our heart. So if we can go to the second side, please. There's no point fiddling with the first slide, I don't think. And while you're doing that, I might just open in prayer if that's okay. Sound good? Fantastic. All right, God, I thank you that you're the giver of vision, Father. I thank you that you're the giver of direction, Jesus. And as we as a church, God, and we as individuals look at vision, Father, I pray that we always look at it with the understanding that you're the one that gives vision, Father that you're the one that gives the steps towards the vision. And, and regardless of how good vision can be and is um, in, in our life as a church or even in our lives as individuals, I pray that we never, ever lose sight that you're the one that's wanting to guide our steps towards that vision. So I pray that as a church tonight, as we look at Vision Sunday, Father, and as we as even, even as individuals go home and unpack what our vision is, we never lose sight that you're the one that's wanting to conduct our steps and you're the one that's wanting to show us the next path to take, Father. And I pray that we never become people that see the vision as God, Father, but always allow you to present the vision to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. So, can everyone read that? What does it say? It says, are we ready? We see a church of committed people embracing and empowering a generation, a church that makes a real difference, a church of irresistible influence. Who loves the last part? What's the last part? Influence, a church of irresistible influence. I actually like the lo- I love the last part of that. A church that makes a real difference, a church of irresistible influence. We want to be a church that makes a difference. It's easy to be a church that just plays church. It's easy to be a church that just does what we think we should be doing, but actually make no difference in the community around us, nor even in the lives of the people inside of us. If we're actually not making a difference in the lives of the people inside of us, as far as here, or we're not allowing God to make a difference in the inside of us as individuals, then Sorry to tell you that we're not going to make any difference in our community, nor will we be an an irresistible influence. But I believe in order to get to that place where we're an irresistible influence, where we're a church that's that's, um, continuing to make a real difference, because I would argue that we haven't been making it, I'd argue if you said that we haven't been making a difference, but we can always make more of a difference and in other areas as well. But but we feel that there's... Specific steps that we want to take, and we're going to get in there to look at that, but, the, but also with the idea that as an epicenter, there's multiple facets or there's multiple parts of us. Is that correct? We're not just a Sunday service. Some might think that we're a Sunday service, but we're not. We have small groups that are designed to disciple and send out people. We have a kids' ministry 
that has been doing phenomenal. Is everyone loves what kids have been doing? Yeah. Everyone loves that kids is back at least. Yes. Okay. Everyone does love you, Karina, though they're not saying it. We've got a youth ministry that <laughs> are making a lot of noise on the sidelines. We've got a youth ministry that is actively working at making a difference in the lives of the kids, in the, of, the, of the youth in our community. And so what I want to do is before I get on with what I feel that, or what we as a leadership, core leadership, feel that God is directing us, I'd like to invite Leisha and Karina to come up and um, quickly share the vision that God's placed on their lives, on their heart. Yes, you, you may come up. That was an invitation to reach their areas of ministry. How you doing, church? That's good. I just want to let you guys know a bit about what our vision is for 2017. Um, so basically, our vision has been pretty much the same since I got here, really, which is John 10.10, which means Jesus came to give life and life to the full. So I don't know about you guys, but going through high school as a teenage girl, I'm not sure what it's like going through as a teenage boy, but as a teenage girl... It can be really hard. Like, it can be hard to go through. You're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to figure out what you believe. And you've got all of your friends who you admire telling you, this is cool. Let's drink. Let's do this. This is who you are. And if there's not someone else in their life to say, actually, Jesus came to give life and life to the full. So, life to the full is actually living with him. Life to the full is playing British bulldogs and slicing someone's face and you know no not slicing someone's face but you know gr carpet carpet grazing someone's face you know and just having fun and not um not being destructive but having fun and loving loving Jesus and loving people and that's life to the full and so basically our 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 vision is to put that across life to the full loving Jesus loving people um so yeah I think that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. But um, how we're achieving this mostly is through connection. Um, so it's easy to tell someone what to do, but if you're actually showing them, it makes a bigger impact. Um, so we make, we're being very intentional about connection, um, connecting with the youth and just hanging out with them, doing life with them, rather than being like, we're your leaders, listen to us, being like, we're your friends, let's just hang out, let's do life. Um, and so out through this, we've got actually three programs a week. We have um, Pulse on the Friday, and then we have Alpha Group, which is for people who have given their life to Jesus already. Find out more about that, because it's a lot harder to find out more about that on a Friday when you've got other people who don't actually know about Jesus yet. Um, so we've got Alpha, and then we've got the girls group, where we just hang out, we eat junk food, and just talk rubbish, really. Um, so yeah, we've got those three programs through the week just to try and keep that connection going through the week because a lot can happen in a week in a youth's lives. Um, so we have new kids coming through every week, which is really good. Um, so we're getting to, we're actually outreaching to a lot more people than we see just on the Friday because a lot of people are coming through and which is really good. We had actually Tanya Mitchell, who's left us now, Oh, she's in kids. Awesome. <laughs> she's, um, yeah, multi-talented. So she came and she actually stayed on Friday. So Tanya Mitchell isn't one of our leaders, but she's come and she's decided she wants to help out just supervising. And that's all we need. Like if you guys are happy just to stand there and supervise, um, that gives us a chance to connect with the youth rather than being like, hey, put that other kid down. 
how's your week going? No, seriously, put that other kid down. How's your week? You know, if we could have someone else be like, please put that other kid down. Well, we're like, how's your week? You know, so it's a lot, a lot easier if there's someone else helping us. Um, and it's not like it's not a big commitment. It's two hours on a Friday and all we really want you to do is either be on hub, like giving, giving out more, selling lollies <laughs> or like, you know, just hanging out the basketball court. You can talk to people. It's quite fun and I promise you'll see a lot of funny stuff. Um, so, yeah, here's our, here's our focus term by term. So, term one, our focus was and is welcome home. So, we've been saying from day one that as soon as the youth come through the door – they're part of our family and we're going to love them like family. So they're part of our Pulse family. They don't have to act a certain way to be part of our family. They've just, as soon as they come to Pulse, they're in. They're part of our family. Um, and we're going to love them like that, not for how they behave. Um, so this ties in really well with the prodigal son. And so, um, yeah, and so it ties in well with the prodigal son and how God loves us for who we are. We don't have to fix ourselves up to be able to be accepted by him. We've just got to come to him and then he accepts us for how we are. And actually, it's really encouraging because we had a youth here the other week and Nath Martin was talking about the prodigal son. And and I won't say name because she'll be embarrassed. But she goes, hey, leash, in the middle of the sermon. I'm like, yeah. She goes, isn't that what you spoke about on Friday? And I was like, yeah, you were listening. So it's really encouraging to know that they're actually listening when we speak, which is wicked. Um, term two, our focus will be solely on connection. So deepening that connection between youth Youth and the leaders and youth and Jesus. So creating a lot of hangouts, a lot of bring your friends nights. Um, term three, our focus will be more on alpha groups. So we're hoping by then that all of our youth have gone through alpha group. So once the alpha group's done, we start it again. So we've got youth coming through all the time. Um, and then term four, our focus will actually be on focus. So what you focus on, someone once said, is what you become. So... If we're focusing on Jesus, we're going to become more like him. Whereas if we focus on things of the world, we're going to become more like things of the world. And so we just want the youth to think about what they're thinking about. Think about what they're letting into their lives. Think about what they're aspiring to be like. And yeah, that's our vision for 2017. All right. So... I am going to start with video. I'm really excited. Um, my what my vision is probably going to be a less about what we are doing as a program in Epic Kids and more about why and where I see the kids that I want the kids or that we see the kids going. So, with I do want to say one thing. As a church community, I think one of the things that we aim to do in everything that we do is change the world. So we are going to watch a video by Kid President. Only goes for two minutes. I love that. Little people living out big love. And I think it ties in perfectly with what our vision is for Epic Kids. Our vision is to see a generation that experience and release heaven on earth while building a strong foundation in the Word of God. I talk about it all the time. If you've been here any week you've probably heard me talking about it from up here because I am really, really passionate about it. Um, so this week, with the idea of that one of the best ways to know where you're going is to know your audience and to know what others have found out in the past, um, I have done a little bit of research because I just wanted to get really set into my mind why we do what we do. So this is just a few of the things I found out. So approximately, and this is in regards to Epic Kids, so my age group. 
Approximately 20% of our population in Echuca is made up of children who are aged 0 to 14. That's huge, 20%. There are around 1,000 children in this age group. Currently, we reach about 30. Youth is where the highest numbers of first-timers to church arrive. Most people, this is a generalisation, but most people become Christians prior to 20. And individuals' moral foundations are generally determined by the time they reach nine. Lifelong spiritual choices regarding one's faith and their relationship with Jesus are generally made before 13. And those beliefs rarely change after that time. A factor causing kids to shelve their faith is the segregation of kids and adults in church services. So having something for the kids and something for the adults and them never meeting up. Kids who attend church-wide services are more likely to keep their faith. And lastly, students who serve and build relationships with younger children are more likely to hang on to their faith. For me, this is just so important. Do you, do you get it? Like, there's, we're, we're talking about children is where, you, you know, you get, to, you get a certain point and then you can implement programs and you can do stuff. But the biggest influence we can have is from when they're young. And so that's what Epic Kids is about. That is why we run a program that is not a childcare program. Even if your child is three, you will, they will learn something when they come out to Epic Kids. Obviously, we tailor it to their age group, but we are passionate. It might be nice as an adult to sit in church and have your kids not with you, but we are passionate about teaching the Word of God. We are passionate about reaching this generation because they are the generation, they're not the next generation, they're not the future generation, they are the generation of today who are going to go on and become the leaders of tomorrow. So, I have to speak really, really quick. Um, I, what I've done is I've combined the Epicentre vision with the Epic Kids vision because we are united, we do things together, we need to be following the same path. So, I see a group of people who are committed they are committed leaders to teaching kids how to experience and release heaven on earth. What on earth does that mean? Jesus gave us a model of miracles, wonders and signs and part of our responsibility is to restore that ministry of Jesus in his church. So I see a committed group of people who operate on this level, ordinary people who attend Epicenter Church, teaching and instilling these principles into our children. At this stage, I would say we have a long way to go because we're not operating on that level. So how can we teach our kids to operate on that level? But it's where I see us going. I see leaders who have a balanced understanding and a deep understanding of God's word, who will impart, teach and set a strong foundation on which our children can build their lives. We see leaders who want to build and make disciples and will teach kids how to make disciples also. Um, this year, one of the things that we've done and we're really, really making a priority is having junior assistants. These are our older primary school aged children. And in that way, we're fulfilling that part of the research that says students who serve and build relationships with younger children are more likely to hang on to their faith. We're not only teaching them how to be leaders, we're teaching them that this is important. This is, you know, faith is something that you want to hang on to in life. And we're encouraging them to do that by passing on to the next lot of kids. Um, we will, Im we see and embrace the parent generation in Epic Kids. That didn't make sense. Epic Kids will embrace and empower a generation. I'm trying to speak fast. I'm really under pressure here. Um, we will teach them the word of God 
the life lessons, the spiritual truths that it contains so that they can make good and moral decisions throughout their life. We will disciple and grow them. Um, We will prepare them for the next stage of life and we'll show them how to have a relationship with Jesus. And we'll do this by building relationships with them through, at the moment we have, uh, we break into small groups in our program. But I would love to see down the track that we can have a mentoring program, that we can have an older kids link where we can sow into those kids one-on-one. We can't do it on a Sunday afternoon in kids' church. We don't have the time, but we need to reach these kids. We need to show them they're important and that there are adults that care about them and that will follow them all the way through their lives. Epic Kids will make a real difference. We'll see children who know Jesus have a strong foundation, will be championed by older leaders and adults who care about them. And then we're going to pass them into Pulse to continue to be nurtured in the next stage of life. Somewhere down the track, I see a group of people who can partner with parents because, and I'm not going to go into this now, but... You know, parents have a responsibility to sow into their own children. And I have this vision that Epic Kids is not just going to be a children's ministry, it's going to be a family ministry where we can partner with parents so that they can start taking on the responsibility of building spiritual input into their kids. Lastly, kids will have an Epic Kids will have an irresistible Oh, I've missed a real difference. No, I didn't, I did it. They'll have an irresistible influence. This is his fault. He's put me under so much pressure. I'm taking way longer. We aim to have a fun and interactive program, one that is engaging through story and games but has the teaching of God's word, teaching of releasing heaven on earth, combined with discipleship and relationship building at its core. So we've been able to combine those elements. We made last year a very... um, important decision to have the kids come back in during worship and I think that's just shown that in the research that's backed up that we've done that because kids need to know that adult church is for them as much as it is for adults they need to be able to observe adults worshiping God because they're going to get to a point where they're not in epic kids they're not in pulse they're going to be in with everyone and we need to start showing them that this is for them this part Um, is important and that they have a place because we want them to know what their faith is about. So, what the video said, we want our children to have an irresistible influence to those around them. One person filled with love, in our case the love of Jesus, they just have to live it out so so they do something awesome like share their faith or pray over others, then that person is filled with love and then they do something awesome and it goes on and on and on. Next thing you know, everything is awesome because everyone is filled with the love of Jesus. So how can we change the world through Epicenter? We can start with Epic Kids. By leading and serving in the Epic Kids program, praying for and discipling our children, by resourcing the program so we can concentrate on the most important part of our ministry and by being committed to being involved in some way, we can help our kids be little people living out the big love of Jesus. So just to make everyone aware, Karina doesn't like to wear beanies and goggles in the middle of summer. She's doing that because they've got a program going on. Obviously, Epic Kids is happening at the moment, and it's winter wonderland or winter... The Arctic Chill! Kind of sounds like a pirate, but it's got nothing to do with pirates. It's just all about the Arctic, and it's chilly. Pirates don't like chilliness. Apparently, so that's why she's wearing the beanie and the and the goggles, even though the goggles aren't on her eyes. You should come back up and do it with the goggles on your eyes. No, no. So, 
Karina claimed that I put her under pressure, but she's put me under pressure. So what I love about both those things is Leash running our youth ministry and Karina running our kids is that we've got two aspects. And to be honest, there's multiple areas of Epicenter Church that we could have up the front. We could have uh, Pastor John get up and talk about evangelism. We could have Alex get up and talk about worship. And we could go all the way around the different areas, different ministries, every single church. And we could potentially not even stop there, but we could keep going and have every person come up and have every person impart what their vision is, what God's placed on their life to do, because each person is connected to the body, regardless of their, in a quote-unquote, leadership position or not. Like everyone's a leader. Everyone has someone following them. Everyone's got someone of influence or everyone is, some, is a person of influence to someone that gets to speak into someone's lives. So we've all got people following. We've all got people we can speak into. But I love simply how we've got two different ministries, but both reflect the heart of the vision of the church, but in a very different way. And the, the question I want to ask you guys is about the same question as what it did last year is, what's your vision? What's God placed on your heart? I'm going to out, un, like talk about some of the things that we feel that God's placed on our heart to do. But when you think of like the vision of the church, what does it stir in your mind? Can we go to the next slide, please? Quickly, this is what it does for me. When I think of the church, I think of a church whose hunger for God's presence draws a hunger for God out of people. When I think of a church that makes a real difference or that is has an irresistible influence. I think of a church that is theologically conservative, but culturally liberal. When I think of our vision, I think of a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. When I think of our church, I think of a church that is quick to listen and slow to speak. I think of a church that speaks in a language the community around us understands. That means we don't just speak Christianese. Christianese is language, just so everybody knows, only Christians understand, and there's a lot of Christians that don't even understand Christianese because, yeah. I see a church that's led by generations. And that's what Karina's talking about. Like she wants to see Epic Kids empowering families. That's what Leash is talking about, where the youth imparts something to the adults. When I think of our church, I think of a church that empowers generations, not just a generation, but we, we cross all generations. So, so you guys aren't the youngest, but there are younger than you because there's kids out there, there's little babies. But So you guys have got something, as youth, sometimes as youth you feel like you've got no voice in anyone's life, yeah? Like no one wants to listen to you, correct? I did. There's people with white hair over here that need to hear what's on your heart. Uh, but then the opposite happens with the people with white hair. Well, as younger people, and I put myself in that category, so I think I still can, just that... <laughs> <laughs> that we need to learn to listen to some older people, some people with gray hair, so to speak. And that's what I love about our vision statement as a church. It's not just for one group of people, for, for this generation or for that generation, but it's a vision for generations, that I see a church that is led by generations, not just one generation. There's not one generation that's right, not one generation corners the market on what God wants to do, apart from my generation. That was a joke, but no one laughed and no one's still laughing. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you'll get it on the way home. Uh, I have another joke to go with that, John, but I'll leave that alone. 
So I make it booed off the off the stage. So, but in order to be that as good as I personally think that is, or as good as even our vision is, there are individual steps to take in order to work towards a vision to see a vision come to reality. So anyone can get up and say, "This is my vision." Adam and Beck, uh, the owners of Port Fifty Three, Radcliffe's at Port Fifty Three. I'll send you the bill after for the free advertising. It's not going to be free, Adam. <laughs> They've got a vision for their business. I know this because Adam's personally talked to me about it when he bought the business, that what he wanted to do with the restaurant and, and so forth. He's got this vision that him and Beck have been working towards and working towards and working towards. Are you at your vision yet, Adam? Are you closer than the day you bought it, though? Because of the steps that you put in place? Can you say yes? One, one, step at a, one step at a time, exactly. Anyone can throw a vision out there, but we don't ever arrive or achieve the vision unless we actively walk step by step by step by step towards the vision. So can we go to the first video, please? Uh, I am commissioning today the Indiana Jones Day of videos. So there's going to be a couple of Indiana Jones videos. Yes, you guys know. Indi- I mean, oh, there's a new Indiana Jones came out, wasn't there? All right, first video, please. All right, so I had to get the guys to cut it from there because if it kept going, it would completely destroy the point of what I was trying to make. (laughs) For everyone who remembers the movie, it doesn't go as planned, obviously. But so can we go to the next slide as well? And while I'm making this point, if you can open your Bibles and turn to Psalm 25, please. But ultimately what that clip describes is this, the steps towards a vision. He's got this gold emblem in front of him. He's got his, like, sandbag full of sand, obviously. And obviously there's these things that are shooting darts if he steps on them. So he's got to navigate his way. He's got a direction that he's heading. He's still got to navigate his way through the mess, through the obstacles, through what life throws at us. And reality is, as we're heading towards a vision, whether we're an individual or if we're heading towards a vision as a church, there's going to be obstacles that we need to navigate our way through and and orchestrate our steps, so to speak. So Psalm 25 from verse 1, if we can go to the next slide. For those of you that open your Bibles, feel free to read it from the Bible. Otherwise, we can read it from here. It says, O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. What we need to keep in mind, I believe, when we're talking about vision is simply this, that God is one that sets a vision. And that God is the one that orchestrates our steps, not me. Not us as an eldership, not us as a leadership. It's rather God. We get to seek as people, and in this example, as a church, and as a leadership team, we have, or believe anyway, that we have sought the mind of God, what God is calling us to do in this next season to further reach or make further steps towards our vision. But The importance is this. It's not us as individuals that make this happen. Rather, it's God that leads us. So when we're as a church talking about vision, or even when we're as individuals talking about vision, whose vision is it? Is it my vision or is it God's vision? As you as an individual, if you're sitting down, if you're married and you're talking about the vision for maybe your finances or for your kids or whatever it is that you have, is it your vision or is it God's vision? Yes. Two points. <laughs> Winner. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to pick on you. 
the reality is that God wants to lead all of our paths. He wants to lead all of our lives. He doesn't just want to lead a church as far as a corporate church. He doesn't just want a corporate church to follow him, but he, rather he wants us as individuals to give our life over to him and as individuals allow him to direct our paths. So my question is, the same question that I've asked myself and I've asked us as a team is who's directing us? Is it us or is it God? But I want to ask you the same question. When it relates to vision, <laughs> yes, you'd be correct. <laughs> you got four points. <laughs> is it... <laughs> Is it you that directs your steps or is it God? Are you looking for God to lead you or are you looking for your own wisdom to lead you? Just like the video that Karina put up. The wisest people, no, it's not God this time. The wisest people in the world, when you ask them what is the, like, how can we end hunger in the world? Einstein, well, whether it's a quote or not, regardless, he said, food. Well, duh. We can all work that out. But he, the question is, like, regardless of how smart or brainy you are, or wise you are, that's right, we'll get to it. Just slow down a little bit, Tiger. The, who's directing your path? Is it you or is it God? And as a church, we want to make a habit of God being the one that directs our paths. So when it relates to vision, we want God to be directing our paths. But my encouragement to you is when it relates to vision, when it relates to anything, but specifically while we're talking about vision, is it God that is directing your path? Or is it you? Is it your own ideas? Can we go to the next um, slide, please? Verse 3 goes on and says, No one who trusts in you will ever be put, will, will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Vision requires steps. Yeah? Like Adam obviously got to say yes to that before. Indiana Jones, everyone... Every male growing up wanted to be Indiana Jones, am I correct? Yes. How many have succeeded? None of us. Obviously, we chose some wrong paths. But the reality is that there's a demonstration of every vision requires steps. Whether you're going for a gold idol or whatever it is up the front, trying to find that and trying to navigate your way around it, or if you're running a youth ministry or a kid's ministry, or if you're running a business, or if you're a leader in a church, or if you're a small group leader, or you're a business owner, or you're just an employee, or whatever it is, every vision requires steps. And there's two types of steps. There's only two. There's a right path and there's a wrong path. And obviously, the right path, in turn, will lead to a place where the vision is fulfilled. To be honest, hopefully the vision is that big that you're constantly stepping towards it. And you never get completely to that place where you completely fulfill it. The, the wrong path is obviously the one that leads to the place where the vision is unfulfilled. You're actually not getting any further towards the vision that God's placed for you. In fact, normally you're going further away from it. The vision's still painted up there in front of you to see. But you don't get any closer to it because... You continue to take the wrong path towards the vision. You keep saying, this is the direction I'm going. This is the direction I'm going. This is the direction I'm going. But your path is going elsewhere. And that's why the psalmist, David the psalmist in this, in this chapter says, show me the right path and point out the road for me to follow. It's meant to be God that directs our steps. When we relate to vision, it's meant to be God that directs us. It's meant to be God that thrusts us forward. It's meant to be God that illuminates where he wants us to walk. We are not puppets. God doesn't 
man handle their legs as much as we'd like him to sometimes, potentially, and make us walk in certain spots in order that we, we miss the poison darts or we miss the, the shortfalls or we miss whatever it is that life's throwing us. God will not manipulate our legs to walk where he wants us. It's really flawed thinking to think that he's going to step in, grab my legs and put the here or, or your legs and put you there and in order to always make the right steps. He wants relationship. He can't have relationship without choice. So when it relates to vision, when it relates to, to mapping out a path, when it relates to walking forward, well, God's not going to manipulate you and tell you, you must be here or you must go there or make it happen. Rather, God's going to show you the choice is yours, what you do. We're not puppets. He gives us a direction, but it's up to us to follow that direction. My encouragement we hear is not all roads are smooth. Not all roads are a straight line. How many people have driven on a straight line from point A to point B and never gone around an S-band or, or a turn? Anyone? You lie. No, you, no, it's pretty straight, but it still bends. Another boy still has bends. It has one straight for 132 kilometers. And it's got a sign that says it just before you cross it to add insult to the injury, just to, or to just to insult to insult, so you know how long this straight road is going to last for. It lasts for an eternity, people. It is boring, especially when it's at night. It doesn't get much better when it's at the day, too. It's a nullable. Some people love it. Some people, like myself, don't like it. Uh, reality is not all paths are straight and not all paths are smooth, because so there's going to be navigation. Sometimes in a straight path, there's potholes. For those of you that have to drive back roads all the time, you'll discover this. There's potholes in a straight road, so you can't go straight even if you want to. You've got to navigate around something. It's the same thing with vision. Obstacles will, will appear that we need to navigate our way around in order to keep heading the direction that God's got for us. Can we go to the, uh, to the next slide from verse 5? It says, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not re remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love. For you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. Years and years ago, that's the first time in my life I've actually said that. And it's actually true. It was a long time ago. I had only just got my peace. I hadn't been driving for that long. And for those of you that know Lyndon Costa, for those that don't know Lyndon, Lyndon is a farmer that he's not here at the moment. He's up in Darwin, but he has been here since the start of Epicenter, him and his family. And they used to live out some area. It took an hour to get there. I can't remember what the area that was called. Yeah, Barramary. You have to go out Paracuta Road and keep going along the dirt and then turn off another road and then, then you found their farm. And the first time I ever went out there, I went out there late at night. So I didn't really know how I got there. I just managed to get there. And then on the way home, I'm going to make a slight confession. Do as I say, not as I do. Have you heard that statement? You're just about to be one of those. So well, I'm driving back and we're going to church, to Epicenter Church Service. 
And so we're leaving Lyndon's place. I stayed the Saturday night. It's now Sunday afternoon. We're heading to church. But Lyndon said, I need to go down to the dairy. I need to pick something up on the way home to like to take the church or whatever it was. The issue was because I got there in the dark, I didn't realize it was actually a pretty well straight road all the way back to, to Moama and then into Echuca. I thought there was all these zigzags that I had to take and I followed Lyndon out from the main uh, driveway into the dairy yard, grabbed whatever he had to, and then, then he went another way and I was all sorts of backwards, all sorts of confused. And Lyndon is used to driving on dirt roads. At this point, I wasn't used to driving on these dirt roads. And at that point, Lyndon, he's not here to defend himself anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> Lyndon had a problem with speeding. A big problem with speeding. And I mean, he's, I'm not even going to say how fast he was going, but it was scary. I couldn't keep up. And I was on a dirt road. And I didn't know where I was going. And he's like, it's just a cloud of dust. And I thought I'll be able to follow the dust. But the dust got that far away, I couldn't see the dust. And so I keep driving. And so I, I figure there's only one thing I can do. I've just got to plant my foot and I've got to catch this lunatic. So I managed to catch up to like some kind of dust. And I could see the, the, the blicker of the brake lights in the, in the distance every now, every, and, every now and then when there was a, a corner coming up. But for those of you that haven't grown up driving on dirt or did grow up driving on dirt, you'll realize that dirt has this way when you hit corrugations of sending your car sideways. So I had this little, I think it was a VT Commodore at the time. And it was, thank goodness when I bought it, it was lowered. So it didn't catch the wind underneath it because I hit corrugations and I started going sideways. And I didn't know what to do, so I just reefed on the steering wheel and... Everyone that's been in that situation knows what happens. You go the other way. And so, and then I try and do the same thing back again, and I go the other way, and it doesn't stop. It just starts doing donuts down this, like, dirt road. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Like, I think I started praying, started speaking in tongues, everything to try and get out of it. Then I see a pole coming towards me, and in my mind I was thinking, it's a telephone pole. I'm going to die. I'm going to flip this car. It's going to be all over. But no, it wasn't. It was just a little reflector pole. Completely cleaned that up. And kept going. The car didn't flip. I stopped there and I didn't worry about the dust anymore. I just waited for about 5, 10, 15 minutes until my heart slowed down. And then I thought, I'm just going to find my way home. And that I did. I had to report to Dad later that day as to how I got the dent in the car. And that wasn't too impressive. But here's the point. There's always going to be potholes. There's always going to be bends in the road. And there's always going to be accidents. You're never going to slip up. The psalmist says, like, don't hold my sin against me. Or exactly what he said. I'll get the exact words that he said. Do not remember the rebellious, rebellious sins of my youth. And ultimately, what the psalmist is reminding us of the, is this. You're going to make mistakes. Towards your vision, you will make mistakes. As a church, as we progress towards our vision, we will make mistakes. We're human. The idea is that we don't make mistakes when we never make mistakes and we perfectly listen to God all the time. But the reality is that we're human and sometimes potentially what we think is the voice of God is the voice of myself or yourself or whoever it is in the conversation. And that you make mistakes and you don't follow what God's got for you. Instead, you follow your own voice and you end up like me driving a car doing donuts when you're meant to be going on a straight road. Reality is there's always going to be accidents. There's always going to be mistakes. But The promise is this, that God's always going to be there to redirect your steps, to redirect your path. 
So as a church, when we step out towards the vision that God has for us, when we, when we take the steps towards what God's got in store for us, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make accidents. But He's always going to be there to redirect our steps back to what He has for us. Same thing for us as individuals. As we step out into the vision that God's placed on our hearts, on our lives, you will make mistakes. But the promise is God's always there to redirect your steps back towards what He has for you. Proverbs 29.18 says this, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law will be joyful. In other translations, it says it like this. It says, Without vision, people perish. I think we all know it. But vision isn't just, here it is, this is where you're going. Vision is divine guidance. Divine guidance isn't a one-off thing. Divine guidance isn't, oh, God told me where I've got to go. Divine guidance is God comes and speaks to us. He presents to us a vision, but it's still our job to interact with that divine guidance. What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? What have you, what have you got for me? So vision isn't just, this is where we want to be. Vision is also looking for the divine guidance or these are the steps that we need to take to get there. And as a church, we don't want to just be a church of vision, but we want to be a church of steps towards vision, of steps towards achieving the vision that we feel God's placed on our heart. So if I can have the next slide up. As a, as a leadership, this is what we feel that God's placed on our hearts as far as the next steps that we need to be deliberately focusing on. We need to be deliberately focusing on training and equipping and working on specific things. We need to be focusing on integrity. We need to be focusing on partnering with the community and creating a a creative and theology balance. But the training and equipping, the idea behind links, the idea behind links is that we pastor our church. Is if I am Say I'm the only pastor in the church, which I'm not, Just, but let's say that I am for now. I can only pastor about 70 people. Our database is far more than 70 people. It's around the 90 person now as far as regular attenders of Epicenter. So it's already exceeded what I can actively connect with, who I can actively connect with. So I'll always do you a disservice if I'm the only one that's going to be pastoring you. Even if we say John Kerr, Leash, um, Karina, as the, the pastors, the people with the credentials in Epicenter, and you can throw in Alan Downey, we're still only just meeting that. Because as much as ever, everyone can connect with 70 people, not everyone can connect with 70 people in the way that everyone could connect with 10 or 20. The smaller that number that gets, the, the more that we can facilitate actual connection, which is I actually know you instead of you just know my name. And so the idea with links is that we pass the our church, that our link leaders are are our small group pastors. They're the people that that we get to come around and and share our grievances, our troubles with, and they they help encourage us through that. And so as a church, what we want to be is very deliberate about sowing into our link leaders. And that looks like, or what we feel that looks like at the moment is that each elder is going to come around, specific link leaders each, in order to train, equip, love, encourage, nurture along. The more people that ultimately we can release in a pastoral role, the more people that we can love. The more people that we can love, the more people that we can see lives impact and lives changed. We want to be a church that 
has a focus on following up new people. So part of what that looks like is Sint and Nath this year are going to have a, a deliberate focus on connecting with new people. So they're going to be the ones that are, are striving to catch up with these people. To, to sit to, if you, so if you're new, if this is your first Sunday, Sint and Nath are going to be working towards connecting with you this week. If you have been new, Sint and Nath probably already have connected with you with the idea that we want to be a church that doesn't just connect with you on a Sunday, but we want to be a church that connects with you outside of Sunday as well. We want to be a safe church. And the government is saying, this is what you have to do to be a safe church. But the community are also asking, what are you going to be to be a safe church? So as a church, we're committed to continuing that training of what it looks like to be a safe church, of continuing to train us as pastors and leaders, to continue to train us as, as a broader body on what it looks like to be a safe church, to protect our kids, to protect those with, with mental illness, to protect those with disabilities, to protect those with, with whatever it is. We want to be a church that has a deliberate focus on being safe, where people feel safe, where people can come regardless of their brokenness and be safe. Safe churches goes completely further than just what government requirement requirements are. Safe churches looks like, does someone feel safe to come in here in the mess that they're in and not feel judged? We're going to strive to be that. We're going to be a strive to be a church of integrity. If we start something, we're going to strive to finish it. Unless, of course, it's doing damage, then we need to escape. When the Titanic's going down, you need to jump ship, regardless of whether you said you're going to be there the whole time or not. We're not going, it's not a Titanic, we're not going down, FYI, it's just an example. We will strive to be people that live what we preach. As leaders, as people inside of Epicenter, we want to strive to be people that live what we preach and not just preach a gospel that doesn't back itself up with actions. We'll strive to surround ourselves with people that will challenge us and not just people that will tickle our ears. Again, that's the point of links. In links is real relationships, real connection. We want to partner outside our community was the third point. Sometimes as churches, we want to recreate the wheel every time the wheel comes around or another wheel turns up as an opportunity. And so an example being, instead of creating another play group, why don't we partner with a play group to influence? And ultimately what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to find what's in the community that we can interact with, what's in the community that needs our help, what's in the community that we can partner with, uh, rather than us as a church coming and becoming competition. Now, of course, sometimes that looks completely different because maybe there's someone in the church that's called to a very specific ministry. And then maybe we do start something up. But for the most part, we want to be very deliberate about what we choose to say yes to and what we choose to say no to. We want to be very deliberate in releasing people into their areas of ministry and not being the church that does everything. What we want to do is be the church that does what God's calling us to do, but empower people to do what God's placed on their heart to do. Sometimes that's not always going to be what we do as, as a corporate entity, so to speak. Number four is a creative and theolo- theology balance. Or you can get th- so th- theological that you just completely lose everyone. We want to be a church that has a creative side that brings across theology, that brings a cl- across a conservative message in a way that is creative, in a way that still embraces people. We want to Bring across that conservative message in a way that doesn't judge people. We want to have sermon, sermons or sermon series that have an attractional element to them. 
Then we want to encourage speakers to engage in different ways to convey their message so it's not the same thing Sunday in, Sunday out, but rather it's something fresh, something new, something exciting. And regardless from what walk of life that you're in, from where you've come from, or even your Christian understanding, you can understand the message. So two things that we're wanting to do that back up kind of those, specifically those last two ones, but specifically the last one. On the lead up to Easter, most of the Orthodox Church do this thing called Lent. Now, this thing called Lent basically is, for the 40 days leading up to Easter, is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So we want to do something a little bit different on the month leading up to Easter. We want to have a deliberate focus on on getting our eyes and looking outward, out into our community. But specifically not the community in Broad, but the community here in your street. Not my street, your street. For me, my street. For you, your street. I know that's a bit difficult to get, but I think you're with me. So the idea is what we're going to ask and encourage everyone to do is instead of going hungry, no one likes going hungry, sometimes it's a necessity. But when, when we fast, instead of asking everyone to go hungry, we're going to encourage everyone to fast some time. And what that time looks like is stepping outside your house and walking up and down your street and praying. Praying deliberately for a couple of things. Praying for opportunities. Opportunities to interact with people in your street that you've never had an opportunity to connect with. But for God also to open your eyes to see the needs of the community around you, to see the needs of the people in your street that you drive past every day of the week and completely miss. It's a guarantee in everyone's street there's needs that can be met. And whether that's met by us as a, as a church or whether, whether that's met by you as an individual, well, that's what we get to navigate through and that's what we get to work. We want to be a church that has a deliberate focus on, on setting our eyes outwards instead of turning our eyes inwards all the time. The other thing, or what we've got planned as far as for a conservative message in a creative way is after Easter, we're going to preach our way through Song of Solomons. My link says, oh my goodness, not my link anymore, but Adam and Beck's link because we've just gone through Song of Solomons. Apologies, but you're copying it again. So the idea through that is Chuka has the highest rate of domestic abuse in a regional or in a country town. What we believe is, as a, as a church, one of the real ways that we com- can combat that is actually teaching people how to love one another. Teaching people what intimacy is. Teaching people what sex is. What the Bible says that sex is. And deliberately we want to do this because the world has grabbed something and completely perverted it, and that is sex and intimacy. The world says this is what sex and intimacy is, and the church is completely silent on it. But as a church, we want to be on the forefoot of that. Or the, the front foot, the forefoot, whatever that flipping foot is. It's a foot. And it's going that way. That's forwards, FYI. It's not backwards. We want, as a church, we want to be moving forward with that. So we can teach our young people what sex is as far as according to God. That sex is not dirty. That sex is not gross. That sex is a gift that's given by God. It's not unclean. It's, it's not to be disgusted. It's not to be hushed-hushed. It's, it's, in fact, it's something to be rejoiced about and talked about and... God's given it to us as a gift. And so as a church, we want to be deliberately launching into some of that. And the reality is that this, that God's steps will, I'm finishing up now. I'm sorry I've gone a bit over time. God's steps will stretch us. Some steps won't be as stretching as other steps. Some steps will be very uncomfortable. Other steps will be very comfortable. 
it's not about whether the steps are uncomfortable or not. It's will we be obedient to doing what God's doing, to asking or stepping out where God's asked us to step out. Not all steps. Steps are not just designed to keep us moving forward. They're supposed to keep us reliant on God, not reliant on ourselves. That's why we look to Him for the next step. Some of God's steps appear normal, while other steps appear completely stupid. Anyone read the book of Judges? Specifically chapter 7, with Gideon fighting the Midianites. Has anyone noticed how stupid the steps are? The Israelites have an army of 22,000 people. God says, that's too many people to go to fight the Midianites with. I want you to cut your army down a little bit. So he cuts it down to 10,000 people. And God comes to Gideon again and says, that's too many people to go to war with. And so what he says, he come, God comes up with this great plan. He says, send all your men down to the water and hold, have a drink. And the guys that pick up the water in the hand and lap it like a dog, you'll take as your warriors and everyone else that gets down and drinks it with their mouth, you can send home. Congratulations, you got 300 warriors against an army of Midianites. I'm not exactly sure how many of it was, but I'm positive it was more than 300. Regardless, if it was 20, I'd still want 10,000. Make sure they're done. But God says, no, get rid of them all, and I want you to go with 300. If that's not dumb enough, the next thing that God tells you to do is even dumber. I'm not abusing God right now, making a point. He tells them, grab your lamps and run around and surround the camp, and then shine your lamps and make lots of noise, like saying, hello, here I am, hi, there's 300 of us. It's like putting your hand up and saying, I'm a turkey, come and shoot me. But they destroy the Midianites. And the reality is, the question is, will you be obedient to the vision, to the steps that God places in your heart? Will we as a church be obedient to the steps that God's placed in our lives? Not all steps are going to be comfortable at all. Not all people's suggestions for the steps or how to go about the steps will be comfortable. Can we play this next video? And we'll end with this, please. <laughs> I can't even I haven't seen the movie but I've seen the clip. So ultimately what happens is this. Everyone that's seen Indiana Jones knows Indiana Jones is scared of snakes. Yeah? Petrified of them. Reality is some steps will be hard, some steps are going to have sinking sand or some tracks are going to have sinking sand in that we need to navigate our way through. The other thing with steps is that it requires other people not just one person. As a church, we're one body. First Corinthians 12 says that we're one body. We're made up of different parts, but we're still one body. Not every part of the body has the same idea or outworks things the same way. One person sees a snake as rope while other people see a snake as a snake. And here's the final question that I wanted to leave us with is this. How are we, as a church, going to partner together as one body to become a church that makes a real difference, that is a church that becomes an irresistible influence in a in our community and just because you see or how you see something different to someone else let me rephrase that sorry just because how the way you see and do something is different to someone else doesn't make it wrong it just makes it you how are we as a church going to partner together with the steps that we feel that God's place on our heart to move forward towards his vision as a church um, how about you stand? Let me pray for you. God, 
I thank you that you're the God of vision, Father, and direction, Jesus. I thank you that you're the one that orchestrates our steps, that you're highlighting the steps that you're wanting to put out in front of us. And I pray, Jesus, that we are people. We are a church, Jesus, that is known for stepping out when you call us to step out. We're a people that is known for looking for where you're directing us. And so, Father, I pray for us as a church that we make a deliberate effort to step out where you've called us to step out, Father, and to move where you're calling us to move in and, and take the steps that you're asking us to take, Jesus. And God, I pray that as we do that, Father, I thank you that we see, the, see what you've got in store for us, Father, start to come to fruition, Jesus. That the blessings that you have in store, Father, as we take those steps, become blessings for our community, Jesus, to impact our community, God. But I also pray for us as individuals, Jesus, that we're individuals of steps, Father. Not steps created by us, God, but steps from you, Jesus, and that we're individual people, God, as we are a church, that look for your voice in the steps. We're always looking for your divine guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please subscribe to hear more sermons from Epicenter Church.